This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Some of the things that I love about working for KFUO is that I get to combine my lifelong love of radio with the faith I've had since childhood. Most people, if they're lucky, develop passions that last a lifetime. In my case, broadcasting and the Lutheran faith are examples. But as time passed, I picked up another passion that's been with me for most of my adult life. Back in the 1980s, I was living on an avocado ranch in a rural mountain community in Southern California. My landlord owned an ad agency in Los Angeles, and he'd come up during the weekend. One Saturday, I saw my landlord and a mutual friend of ours hard at work doing something in the large garage barn. They were stirring something in a large tun that was heated on an old gasoline stove. What are you doing? I asked innocently. We're making beer, my landlord replied. This was an epiphany moment for me. I'd always liked beer, ever since my college days, but somehow, deep in my beer-loving soul, I knew there had to be more. I took to home brewing with all the zealousness of a new religious convert. I learned the difference between two-row and six-row barley. I sampled different hop teas to judge the best flavoring and scent. Yes, there is a difference between aroma and bouquet. I studied mashing techniques to best bring out the proper enzymes that convert starch to sugar. I learned about the different yeasts and what they did. I learned about the different types of sugar. As with anything, I learned as much from my failures as from my success. I learned to make certain that fermentation was totally ended before bottling. This after two cases of my homebrew exploded in a chain reaction one night in my bedroom closet. Some of my efforts were undrinkable, but were remarkably effective at combating slugs and snails in my garden. The slimy things absolutely loved beer, and I put some of my worst in an old tuna can in the garden. The pests would have a great time drinking until they passed out and drowned in the beer. I entered my homebrew in county fairs and in national beer competitions. I even went so far as to travel to L.A. and take a three-hour test so I could become a credentialed beer judge. Now, what does any of this have to do with radio or Lutheranism? Well, part of my beer passion led me to the study of my favorite beverage. Imagine my delight to discover that not only were Martin and Katarina master brewers, but that beer played a significant role in the Reformation. Yes, that's right. Beer played a role in the Reformation. Back in Luther's time, the Catholic Church had a near monopoly on commercial beer production. Its beer was brewed by monks in monasteries and then sold. But because it was made on church property, the secular powers of the age couldn't tax it. Then along comes this German reformer who also loves beer, and light bulbs, or the medieval equivalent, started going off in the heads of the various dukes and princes throughout what was then the Holy Roman Empire. Simply seize church property, let the Protestants brew the beer, and then tax it. Well, when you throw in the fact that the Protestant principalities brewed better beer than the Catholics, because the hop-growing areas of Bohemia were Protestant, well, the masses were won over as well. I mean, who wants to drink bad beer, even if it is tax-free? Luther became so closely associated with beer, especially the variety called Bach, that his portrait often appeared on bottles. Fast forward to today. St. Louis is home to an annual festival called Brew in the Lou. 
The event showcases St. Louis's best beer, wine, spirits, coffee, and good eats. And the proceeds benefit the Lutheran Elementary School Association's 35-member schools, serving some 9,000 students. Now, one of the events is the People's Choice Home Brewer Competition. For the last two years running, Pastor Mark Banger of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Washington, Missouri, has taken the top honors. Pastor Banger is my guest today on World Lutheran News Digest as we discuss beer, Martin Luther, and the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. This is World Lutheran News Digest. The work that here we don't Lutheran Fire I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My special guest today is Pastor Mark Bangert of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Washington, Missouri. Pastor, would you say a little bit about yourself and about Emanuel Lutheran Church? Sure, happy to. Glad to be with you. Uh, I have uh, been pastor here at Emanuel for uh, 25 years. Just celebrated that a couple weeks ago here with the congregation. And uh, it was my second call. I was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for seven years before that. Um, Emmanuel has uh, has been a, a great blessing to me and my family through the years. So we've uh, been able to not only raise our family in a great church and great community, but uh, it's just uh, been a real blessing to us. And as, the, as we've witnessed the congregation grow through the years, I think uh, when I came, we were we were about 300 people and, and uh, in worship on a weekend and uh, quite old. Uh, frankly, I've buried most of those 300 now, <laughs> and uh, but now we're we're pushing almost 600 on a weekend, and have a lot of young families and young children, and so that's been a real blessing blessing to to see that to develop over the years. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question here, sir, and mm-hmm. let's see if you can answer it. Who said it is better to think of church in the alehouse than to think of the alehouse in church? Well, since this is October, I'm guessing this that must be Luther. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we should let our audience know that you and I have something in common over and above being Lutherans. Mm-hmm. We're both beer brewers. Mm-hmm. I've been one since the mid-80s. I don't know how long you've been. Probably ever since I moved here, about 25 years. Wow. From the 90, early 90s. And I also happen to know that, uh, of course, we have this brew in the loo. That goes on. That's correct. And part of it is what we call LISA, which is the Lutheran Elementary School Association, one of the main uh, one of the main recipients of the proceeds from this particular event. Correct. And you last year happened to have won that event with a Belgium quadruple. Mm-hmm. What is a Belgium quadruple? For people have not had the delight of having one. I drank <laughs> one yesterday. Oh, good for you. Uh, that's been uh, the the uh, latest. Uh, favorite of mine. I When I started drinking craft beers years ago and making them, I started with uh, dark beers, uh, porters and, and stouts and things. And In fact, uh, turned my wife to the dark side in one evening when, <laughs> when she realized how much uh, dark beer actually tastes like coffee. It, it's a pretty easy sell once uh, you understand that. But then I moved from there to IPAs, and, and, and which are more bitter, and now to these Belgians. And uh, the Belgian Belgium makes some of the best beer in the world now, in my opinion. It is uh, much different than than most other beers. A, a Belgian quadruple is uh, it's going to be a little higher in alcohol. Uh, they can push nine and ten percent alcohol, which is almost as much as some wine. It uh, it'll have a 
a, a fruit, a stone fruit or dark fruit flavors like plums and raisins and things like that. It's just a really a complex beer. The yeast also adds a lot to the flavors, too. It's a, it's a really interesting um, brand of beer, kind of beer. Well, interestingly enough, my wife used to be a gin and tonic drinker until she met me, <laughs> and then I introduced her to beer, and now she's almost exclusively with Belgian yep. quadruples. Yep. Now, the reason we happen to be discussing beer over and above Oktoberfest and all the wonderful things is that beer has an intriguing history mm-hmm. in the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things, of course, that most people know that uh, Katerina von Bora, who was uh, Luther's wife, was an expert brewster. Now, we call men are brewers, women are brewsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, men who make the malt are malters. Women who do that are called maltsters. I'm not sure what they call people who cure hams, and they're not going to go there. <laughs> but, but be that as it may, it was an intriguing uh, beginning. You know, part of the problem, or part of the situation back in the early 16th century, was that there was a lot of tension between the secular leaders of the various principalities of mm-hmm. what is the, what was called the Holy Roman Empire, which is now mostly of Germany, mm-hmm. and the Roman Catholic Church. And what had happened was that. Most of the beer, commercial beer, was brewed in monasteries back then. Problem is, from the point of view of the secular leaders, they couldn't tax it because right. it was church. It was tax exempt. And suddenly, these guys come along with the Protestant Reformation, who are also beer lovers. And so many of the uh, secular leaders then seized the church power, and they seized the church lands, and then let the uh, secular brewers or the Lutheran brewers brew in there. And then they could come up with their beer, and then they could tax it. Hence, right. it was a wonderful incentive for the secular powers to back the Protestant Reformation. I suspect a lot of people didn't know that. <laughs> right. I know. The, the, the church and state and even uh, even brewing uh, was deeply intertwined. <laughs> oh, it was. And in fact, the Catholic Church at that time owned about half the property in Europe. And, right. And so that was a, a bit you, of a... Pr- are you familiar with uh, the fact that uh, the Roman Catholic Church has a patron saint for brewers? You know I am not. <laughs> Would you like to hear that story briefly? I would love to. Uh, St. Arnold was, I believe, the Bishop of Mons or Mainz or something like that in France. And when he, uh, he one of his uh, basic uh, premises of his ministry was to get people to drink the beer instead of the water uh, and save many lives because of that, because the waters were contem- contaminated with cholera and, and other things. And it was can, can be very deadly to drink the water. And once you boil it and make beer out of it, it's very safe. And uh, when he died... Uh, he was taken back to his homeland. I forget where that was now, but uh, to be buried in his homeland. And, of course, if you're to be a saint in the Roman Catholic Church, you have to have miracles associated with you. And his miracle is that when his pallbearers were car- carrying him back to be buried, uh, they stopped at a tavern, and they had just one beer for everyone, but they poured enough beer for everyone in the group to, to have a, a, a drink <laughs> and refreshed. Well, as they say, beer is God's proof that we're to be loved and happy. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, one of the intriguing aspects of it is that the the, how the makeup of the beer changed during the Reformation. Now, beer at that time, uh, it was bittered with such things as uh, oh, tree bark and various herbs, and was referred to as gruit, I believe. Doesn't sound too 
pleasing. No, it, it wasn't. Plus, he used wild yeast, which is another story as well. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that modern beer, what we drink now, is bittered with uh, with what we call hops, which is a, a vine. It's a, a There's a flower cone called mm-hmm. a hop, and we put it in the beer. That's what makes it bitter and gives it some flavor and preservative. And it just so happens that the main hop-growing area was in Bohemia, which is now part of the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. which became ardently Protestant. Mm-hmm. And so all the Protestants were drinking the good beer. Yep. <laughs> now, the Catholics finally caught up with that. And during the Counter-Reformation, they used the uh, the Trappist monks. Correct. They are still brewing today. They are indeed. And they brew some very, very fine beers. As you yep. pointed out, some of the some of the top beer, uh, beers now come out of Belgium. And yep. the Trappist ales from Belgium are incredible. Yep. But there's a lot that went on. For example, Martin Luther was so heavily involved and identified with beer that he was actually given a barrel of beer when he and Katerina was married. Correct. And then during his ordeal at the trial of Rums, well, he was given another barrel of uh, what, what turned out to be Bach beer to honor him and to keep him fortified for that particular ordeal. Now, since you asked, (laughs) how did Bach beer get its name? Well, there was a town in Bavaria known as Einbeck. And Einbeck was known for its beer, for the consistency and the and the fame of the beer. And, uh, but what had happened was is that Germany, like the United States, especially back then, has a lot of regional dialects. And Einbeck didn't quite translate into some of the other areas of Germany. And they would refer to it sometimes, instead of Einbeck, it was Einbach, mm-hmm. which means one goat. <laughs> Right. In German. And, right. and so there is a type of beer to this day called Bach, which is a lager, very lightly hopped, a little bit on the sweet side. Mm-hmm. And what has happened is that Bach beer is made during the uh, during the regular season, during the spring and, and some summer. It's lagered. That is, it, it takes a long time to ferment and age. At cooler temperatures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At cooler temperatures than ale. Mm-hmm. And it's brought out around uh, Christmas time. Now, some of the very best Bachs. Then our aged even poops. You know, I got that. I, I reversed that. Excuse me. That's uh, the box are, are uh, actually brought out in May. My fest. Okay. Which is a big Bach festival, and the very best of the mo- of those box are aged until Christmas and then brought out as a special celebration beer. Wonderful. And uh, if you've ever had some, one, there's some wonderful celebration ales out there that are box. Again, very sweet uh, as far as beers are concerned. And right. And a little... and, well, so are Belgians. Belgians are the, the same way. In fact, um, much of uh, what Katie may have made might actually might be pretty similar to what the, the what we have in Belgian beers today, just simply because of uh, the, the the yeast. Were probably, like you said before, might have been more wild, and, and mm-hmm. it, it might have been a little bit um, and, and more uh, on on that side than uh, than what we might see as uh, the loggers that we have today yeah in fact they're called uh they're called lambics or uh mm-hmm. or sour mm-hmm. and it, it is an acquired taste i have mm-hmm. to say <laughs> i had a sour last evening with dinner did you really <laughs> uh, that, that, i'm afraid that's one taste i have not acquired i've had sours a number of times and just just really not to my taste yeah, it was but, a small glass yeah <laughs> now here's another quote from luther that i think really puts things in perspective. He says, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. 
theological, theological justification for beer drinking. What's not to love? I actually have a mug with that on it. <laughs> That I don't really drink out of, but uh, I have it on my on my shelf. Uh, I have a, I have a quote from Luther too. This is one of my favorites. Okay, uh, it's very probably a little more theologically correct, I think, uh, than that previous one. But he said, in, in, he says, in short, I will preach the word, teach it, write it, but I will constrain no man by force, for faith comes freely without compulsion. Take myself for example. I opposed indulgences and all the papists, but never with force. I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now, here's another quote from him. Uh, again, I think it's some good theological basis. It says, whenever the devil harasses you, seek the company of men or drink. Joke more, talk nonsense, or do some other merry thing. Sometimes we must drink more, sport, recreate ourselves, and even sin a little to spite the devil, so that we leave him no place for troubling our consciences with trifles. We are conquered if we try too conscientiously not to sin, not to sin at all. So when the devil says to you, do not drink, answer him, I will drink, and write freely, just because you tell me not to. <laughs> Yeah, Luther was also one to understand that uh, this all needs to be done in moderation. That uh, drunkenness is not uh, is not okay, uh, but to enjoy the gifts that God gives uh, are uh, good things to do. I think I, another one that I saw is something, to, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's something to the effect of, you know, if, uh, if there are problems with. Uh, with uh, wine and women, he said, "Shall we shall we abolish and prohibit?" women <laughs> he says no uh, if someone worships the stars shall we pluck them out of the sky no he says we take care of our problems but we enjoy you know rightly the gifts god gives us well this is one of the things really i think that that illustrates what lutheranism is uh getting a little bit more serious here on our theological aspect is that we do fully appreciate the first article gifts mm -hmm. now lutherans i think have a bad rap and that we tend to be regarded as kind of a stern and dour group, mm -hmm. which I think is false. But the thing was is that we do have this appreciation of the first of the first article gifts. Uh, another quote from Luther, and I'll expound on this a little bit, is that he who loves not wine, women, and song remains a fool his whole life long. <laughs> but this is it. These are first article gifts. God right. gave them to us, and we are to enjoy. We dance, we sing, we laugh, we feast. And in a, in a sense, it is a form of worship. It is. It is. It is. And this is something I think we really need to convey is to fully appreciate God's gifts to us. We must enjoy them. And this is indeed a form of worship. Not to excess, certainly. Luther, right. Luther did preach moderation. Yeah. But to ignore the gifts that God gives us, that's a sin, too. Yep. So think of that next time you go out and you say, and you're up there with the teetotaler who's, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's something else, uh, a little bit off the topic, but still, I mean, uh, here, who was perhaps the most infamous teetotaling, non-drinking, non-smoking vegetarian in history? And I'm going to answer that. Adolf Hitler. Oh. <laughs> and I look at FDR or Churchill who drank, smoked, ate meat. <laughs> yep. So who would you rather have dinner with? Yeah, no. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. 
But again, we're, we're looking at, uh, I think, the, the concept of the, of the worship here. And, and you pointed out very rightly that Luther did indeed uh, preach moderation. And here's another quote from him. He says that every country must have its own devil. Welshland its own and France its own. Our German devil will be good. Will be a good windpipe and must be called drinking, being so thirsty and hell-like that no guzzling of wine and beer, however large, will cool it off. And I fear that such will ever remain Germany's plague until the day of judgment. Mm. Now, does does that apply? It is. And does this apply to the United States today? Do we have a problem with this? Yeah, certainly. And we're we're really good. As sinful human beings, we're really good at taking God's blessings and turning them into curses. We're really good at that. You're right. And that's, you know, Satan plays a role in this. You know, he's, he's, the, he's the, the prince of lies. You know, if one beer is, feels good, what will it be if you have five or six or ten? Right. And, and that's the lie. And that is the sin. Because then we're abusing God's first article gifts. Mm-hmm. So how do we resist I'm, I'm going to ask you that as a beer lover. How do we resist overindulging? Well, I think uh, uh, for me, uh, my wife is a big help with that. Oh, yeah, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Are you having another? <laughs> well, maybe maybe since I'm driving, I won't have a second one with dinner. That's fine. And she's yeah. also a first article gift, mm-hmm. as we are Absolutely. to her, as we are to our wives. Yep. Well, you know, we've got coming up now, uh, there's going to be the fifth annual Brew in the Lou, and you have entered into that one as well. Yeah, well, that was actually this past Saturday. I beg your pardon. You're absolutely correct. I just now happened to look at the flyer, and gosh, how did I miss that? Yep, I was looking for you. Oh, fudge. <laughs> I was there. Well, what was your entry, and how did you go on that? How'd well, I actually entered the same beer that I made uh, a year ago and won with except that uh, this Belgian quadruple uh, spent about five months in, uh, in my whiskey barrel. Ooh, a whiskey barrel quad? Yes, barrel-aged quad, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, it, it was really good. I, I poured it all. It's, it's all gone. But I uh, actually repeated. I won again. Wow. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that's that's one of the fun things about beer is what we can do to alter the flavors. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I had a uh, stout that had been whiskey barrel aged. Mm-hmm. And that really had a wonderful, wonderful flavor to it. Yeah. And it, right? was, it was funny to watch the people tasting it. Maybe a fourth of the people who tasted it, the first word out of their mouth was, wow. <laughs> because it was so different than, uh, than what they were used to. It had that little whiskey aroma and a little, just a, not a whiskey burn, but just the best part of the whiskey flavor. It was, it was really good. It is. And you can get all sorts of, uh, all, all sorts of really specialty uh, beers that way that have been aged in rum barrels, whiskey mm-hmm. barrels, brandy mm-hmm. barrels, and it really does impart a flavor. Uh, one of the ones I just like, uh, frankly, just oak. Mm-hmm. And that has a wonderful flavor to it. Yep. And of course, then there are the what they call the smoked beers or the... Uh, I've, made, I've made a smoked uh, ale before. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's another one I, I have mixed feelings about. I've uh, I've had smoked beers, Rausch beers, I think they're referred to. I only made it once. Ah. <laughs> right. It was enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can happen. I mean, sometimes you, in fact, I brewed a, a, a brown ale that I donated to the, uh, to the synod recently, to the uh, mm-hmm. seminary. 
And, I was uh, supposed to go to that and then couldn't go. Oh, well, darn. You would have gotten some of my brown yeah, ales. I was going to bring my, my quadruple and I couldn't go. Well, darn. <laughs> but I'd, uh, I had, uh, I'd made this batch and I I'd, I'd donated it. And I opened up two bottles just before I donated it. And one was perfect, just exactly the way I wanted to brown. The other one I opened up and it just shot foam everywhere. Hmm. So it got some contamination in there. Oh, I'm yeah. hoping the other bottles that I donated didn't do that. But this is what we're talking about, is that the appreciation of, of what God gives us and to appreciate it and not to abuse it. Right. And really, it, it, it's a good thing to sit back, I think, and contemplate what it must have been like back in Luther's time, back in the early 1600s, uh, 16th century, and just to view how this would have been. And, and interestingly, I think this also went a little bit further in history. For example, I'm going to go into American history just briefly here. Uh, you know, that you, every, everybody, of course, has read about the 1773 Boston Tea Party, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, did you know that we almost had a 1770 keg party? I'm not aware of that. Ah, yeah, Philadelphia keg party. Some of the early American patriots, such as George Washington, Tom Jefferson, Sam Adams, who were all brewers, uh, originally had proposed uh, back in 1770 to get rid of, try to get rid of the British beer. See what had happened was the British beer came. It was it was actually pretty good beer, and it was hop. We didn't grow we didn't grow hops in New England, so American beer was bittered with with the Groot, if right. you call it that way. However, the American brewed beer in the colon, in the colonial times was not taxed. So as the revolution came approached, the patriots would go to the taverns that had the American-made beer, whereas the Tories and the loyalists would go to the ones that had the British beer. And that's actually where the political meetings first took place. It was an interesting little bit of uh, trivia history. In case you're into playing Trivial Pursuit, that will come up. Mm-hmm. But that's it. And so I would say... If you're a Christian, if you're a Lutheran, if you're American, hoist one. Yeah. Pastor, I want to thank you so much for being our guest on this yeah, program. Thank you. It is a lot of fun, and I just wish I could have enjoyed some of that wonderful pot of yours. Well, uh, well maybe we'll cross paths, and I'll, I'll bring you a bottle. I, uh, in fact, I'll be coming down to the International Center in about a week. Oh, uh, to make a visit with my confirmation class. So maybe I'll bring a bottle with me. If you would, I would appreciate it. <laughs> okay. God bless you. All right. You too. God bless. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.
World Lutheran News Digest is a production of KFUO Radio. Christ for you anytime, anywhere since 1924. Text the letters KFUO to 41444 to join the legacy with your tax-deductible gift.